1, verses 5 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can be seated. I encourage you now to take out your copy of God's word if you brought a Bible with you and turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. We are in the middle of a short three-week series covering three core essentials for life at the church at Trace Crossing. I gave some reasons last week why we are preaching through a series like this. It's worth repeating. Of course, every single thing that's happening this year seems to be different, you know, mostly mostly worse, you know, according to our experiences, but at minimum different from what we've experienced in the past. And as much as we'd love to say the church is immune from changes, we're, we're not. We're not immune from the changes. We're wearing masks in here, not because we're trying to prove something or make a statement, but because we're being cautious. We, we want to protect those who are most vulnerable. We want to help as best we can to limit the spread of the virus. And it just creates a, this virus, this situation that we're in, this health crisis, forces us to pivot, forces us to make adjustments that we might not otherwise make. And so with all the changes happening and especially since we're about to embark on a new ministry year our ministry calendar basically follows the school calendar as we start new discipleship uh, opportunities and as we gather for life groups once again we need to be reminded of who we are no matter what happens no matter what changes we we really just need to be stabilized Okay, we need to reorient ourselves. It's, we're in the whirlwind. We need stabilization. And so that's, that's why we're walking through this series. Last week, we covered our first essential as the Church of Trace Crossing, which is gospel. Gospel. We are a people of the gospel. We are who we are because of what God has done for us, not what we have provided for ourselves. This week, we're going to be talking about a second essential, and we're just going to call it community. Community. And it's how we live as God's gospel people, how we live, community. And then next week, we're going to consider mission. So these three essentials we're going to cover in this series, gospel, community, and mission. This morning, we're going to consider community. A few questions up front that are really important to understanding 1 John 1, 5 through 10, and understanding the thrust of the community at Trace Crossing. We need to ask what community is, where it's found, and how we find it. Now, community or fellowship, same, same biblical word, uh, koinonia, it's, it's, it's referring to a close association that involves mutual, mutual interests, union, and sharing. 
community involves partnership and participation. Now, you can find community basically anywhere you can find people. Anywhere you find people, you're going to find people who are trying to build community with one another. Even within communities, people are building community, and that's because we are hardwired for it as, as image bearers. Now, there is a modern obsession over community, and I know you've noticed this. Community is formed over everything, right? Over everything from, you know, coffee to Frisbee, right? Not me. That's not my, that's Avery. Okay, so Avery's, Avery's the Frisbee guy, all right? He has community in Frisbee, though. Okay, food, you know? We find community in food. We, we find community at, uh, I don't know if we find community here, but there is community at bars, right? The local bar, like, you, yeah, you find community there. There's community at the bar. Schools, you guys remember in school, where do you see community happen at school more than anywhere else? And I know they're probably not doing it this year, but in the lunchroom, right? You go to the lunchroom, you got all the tables and those, those we got a community here, we got a community here, we got a community here. We find it in schools. Uh, I've heard that you can find it in the gym, you know? Um, different communities even within the gym. You got cardio people, you got core people, you know, bodybuilders, weightlifters, I desperately need that kind of community, but I don't have it right now, so um, hit me up after if you want to invite me into your uh, uh, workout community. My relationship to the gym is basically just to be a patron of Planet Fitness without ever darkening the doors, you know? It's like, I have the membership, I'm, you know, got the little, got the little thingy, but don't ever over darken the door. But community can't really be found in the way that people are looking for it. You, you can't really pursue community for its own sake. You know, it's, it's not like you can just one day say, you know what, I'm really bored, I'm really lonely, so I'm just going to be like Ariel from The Little Mermaid, you know, you know, where she, you know I want to be where the people are, you know, that, that little thing. Okay, yeah. So, see, I don't know why Josh doesn't use me up here more, you know, in the worship team. It's not that funny. You know, you can't just go where people are and expect to, to have community with whoever you're with. Community happens when people come together around a common shared interest. And then they commit to one another and they commit to participate in whatever that is together. I love how C.S. Lewis describes friendship. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. It's so phenomenal. C.S. Lewis said, Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. That's when a friendship is born. That's when community happens. Fellowship, community, friendship. It's not found by seeking it for its own sake. Community is found when you share a common interest or a value with another person and then you go deeper into that thing together. And the stronger the love and devotion for that shared interest, the stronger the community. Now, one of the reasons I think we should consider community essential to our church is that we have been redeemed not just as individuals. We have been redeemed as individuals in a community, to a community. And our Redeemer is our central common shared interest. We partner around him. We participate together in him. He is the central hub of our community. And the community of the church is more powerful than any other community you could ever find or experience. And that's because there isn't anything else we need to be in community here at this church 
than Jesus. That's all we need to have in common, to have deep fellowship with one another is Jesus. I don't know, there probably isn't a single Kentucky basketball fan in this room except for me, right? If I want community around college basketball, I gotta go somewhere else. I'm, not, I'm just not gonna find it here. It's just not happening. Same thing for Josh and his support of the Milwaukee Bucks. It's just, no, not gonna happen. No, no, one's, no one's gonna be with him on that. But I have community here because of Jesus. That's the angle I want us to take this morning. I want us to think about the community of our church heading into this ministry year. I want us to think about it as going deeper together into our shared interest, the gospel. Now, the community of our church exists as a work of God's powerful grace in our lives, period. We don't create community here. We have been created into a community. However, the community of our church will either be weak or it will be strong. Our community will either feel rich or it will feel bland. And our community will either reflect Jesus as he is to the world, or it will not. Now, how can we nurture the community of our church? Or, or maybe a better question, when community is strong at Trace Crossing, what is happening? What's happening when community is strong? If you had to answer that question, what, what would you say? Now, when we think of strong community in the church, we're tempted to think of two things, and I think they're both wrong. First, we think community is strong in the church when we have a lot in common other than Jesus. All right? So that's where you visit a church, and you notice, there's a lot of people here my age. We're, we're in the same season of life. And then you, you join that church, and you're there, and you're like, this is great. I've never felt closer to people before. Everyone's sort of like me. But it's not about Jesus. It's about finding peers. Or you go somewhere and it's like, man, these people have the same interests that I do. We have the same hobbies. Or maybe even within a church, you only stay within a certain group of people. Maybe people who have similar occupations. Maybe people who are in similar walks of life. We think community is strong when we have a lot in common other than Jesus, and I think that's wrong. Second, we think community is strong when we are busy with church events. Have you ever felt that before? Man, there's just a lot going on. Service projects, mission trips, events, a lot on the calendar. And so the answer to a weak community would be just getting more people in one place at one time. And by the way, I'm not anti-event. I'm pro-event, okay? I'm pro-church event. I'm pro-fellowship meal, okay? I love them. I'm pro-mission trips. I'm pro-service projects. We're going to be talking about a lot of that next week. But if community depends on a busy and full church calendar, got to be honest with you, we don't have much hope this year. You know? We, we joked in, in that room, that room used to be where we would meet for staff meeting, we had this big wall calendar. And back in December, early January, we f man, we filled that thing up. Multiple mission trips, all kinds of stuff we were planning to do. COVID hits in March, all canceled. All of it, canceled. So if, if community depends on peer groups or a full church calendar, then this year in particular, what are we gonna do? Are we just hopeless? Well, well, let's just hit pause on community. We'll wait till next year when things go back to normal. 
No, we have to go deeper. Community doesn't depend on peer groups or a full church calendar. That's because true community is built and strengthened on this metaphor that John gives us in 1 John 1, 7. Community is built and strengthened by walking in the light of God together. We deepen, strengthen, feed, and nurture the community of our church by walking in the light of God together. So, if we want to grow closer together as a community this fall, it doesn't depend on what's on the church calendar. It entirely depends on if we are going to walk in God's light together. So this morning we're going to look at verses 5 through 10, but I want us to have a laser focus on 1 John 1, 7. That's the lens of the sermon. In this single verse, John presents one condition that's followed by two promises. One condition followed by two promises that relate to walking in the light of God. And I want us to use this to help us see how we can strengthen community at Trace. So the condition, the condition. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. And then promise number one is community. We will have fellowship with one another. And then promise number two is cleansing. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. First, the condition. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, community begins with a simple description of God. God is light. Look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, what does that mean? Light is a metaphor that's found in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that primarily refers to two characteristics of God. It refers to a lot of stuff. We could dig into it, but we're not going to do that. I want to focus on two characteristics of God that come from this metaphor, God is light. Clarity and purity. Okay? So first, clarity. God is unfiltered. What does it mean that God is light? He is clear. He is unfiltered. God is truth. He reveals himself as he is. There is no hidden agenda. Okay? We're not, we're not waiting on God to reveal something he hasn't revealed. He is who he says he is. There are no surprises. There are no gotchas. God is light. Which means that you don't have to filter out anything he says or anything he does or anything he is. God is light. He is clear, straightforward, revelatory, open, honest, and he is truth. God is light, which means there's clarity. But second, God is light, which means there is purity. God is not just unfiltered, he is unstained. God is holy. He always does what is right, and he never does what is wrong. He is righteous in his character. John makes it abundantly clear. You notice he, he not only says that God is light, but he also says that in him there is no darkness at all. Only light. Only holiness. Only purity. He is so unlike us. And yet here, in, in this condition, we are called to walk in that light. We are called to walk in the light of God. Now what does that mean? Look at verse 6. It's verse 6. 
He moves on in verse 6 to criticize those who would claim fellowship with God while they're living in darkness. He says in verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Think of Adam and Eve. They lost community with God when? When they chose to walk in darkness rather than light. They tried to hide from God. They were not transparent, honest, straightforward, or open with him. And I hope you're already starting to see that community depends on honesty, clarity, transparency, and authenticity. A church cannot nurture her community in the darkness. Light is required for growth. So John, he contrasts walking in the darkness with walking in the light. Walking in the light is simply a metaphor to describe the Christian life. We're called to live our lives in the light of God. He has called us, as we saw uh, from our uh, passage of assurance this morning, he's called us out of a domain of darkness. He has transplanted us into the kingdom of his glorious light. Now, if walking in the light is an expression of fellowship with God, then walking in the light simply means to walk with God. When we walk with God, we receive clarity. Clarity about him, clarity about ourselves, And then we start aligning our lives with his. Walking in the light means to imitate God's character. God is clear and unfiltered. So walking in the light is a pursuit of honesty. God is pure and unstained. So walking in the light is a pursuit of holiness. Now, ultimately, walking in the light means two things. To know God and to be known by God. And this is where it starts to get a little unsettling, a little uncomfortable. Because walking in the light means that both God and we are exposed. There's exposure in the light. In the light of God, all is plain, all is clear, and nothing is hidden. And this is a, this is a little unsettling because God is so unlike us, and we are so unlike him. His holiness is revealed in the light. And our sin is revealed in the light. So walking in the light means that we grow in our knowledge of God and his truth. But we also grow in our transparency before him. We we grow in our holiness as we seek to see the world as he sees it. And to live according to his vision for the world. But we also grow in honesty with our own sin before God. Walking with God certainly involves Bible study. Certainly involves Bible study. But it just as importantly involves confession of sin. Being straightforward with God and open with God. Walking with God involves becoming more and more like God in thought, in word, and in deed. So here's where it connects to community. Community begins with a walk with God... Because before we have fellowship with one another, we have fellowship with God in his light. That's what John meant when he gave the reason for writing his letter. Look back up with me to verse 3. In 1 John 1, verse 3, he says, That which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This condition. God is light. And his people in fellowship with him are called to walk in that light. Now, here's, here's where he pivots. 
he gives us two promises. The first promise is community. He tells us that walking in the light leads to two realities, community and cleansing. Let's, let's think about the first one, community. It says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, first promise, we have fellowship with one another. Here's what this means. The community of our church is not built on potlucks or fellowship meals. The community of our church is built on our corporate walk with God. As each one of us takes the next step of faith in the light of God, we take steps further into truth and transparency. We take steps further and deeper into holiness and honesty. Slowly but surely, we start to know God more. And we start to know ourselves more. We start to reflect him and his nature. We start to see how infinitely great God is and how equally, infinitely messed up we are and can be. As I said, all is exposed in the light of God. How does that lead to community? If God is the common shared interest between us, and we each are taking steps toward him and with him, that means that we are walking not only with God, but we are walking with one another. We become bonded with one another in the power of God's light. If we are each walking in the light of God, we start to want the same things. You see how this would work? If you're walking with God in the light, and I'm walking with God in the light, and we're doing it in the same place at the same time, we're doing it together, our desires start to match. We start to hate the things God hates and love the things God loves. We start to hope for the same things. And this bond in Christ is formed. We share communion with one another that resembles and reflects the communion that we have with God. How does that play out? Biblical community is nothing more than corporate participation and partnership in Christ. That's what it is. And here's what that means. It means walking in the light of God together. You want, you want to build and strengthen and nurture community in this church? Walk in the light of God together. It means growing in holiness. It means growing in honesty, in relationship with one another, not just with God. Holiness. When we walk in the light of God together, we will help one another pursue holiness. We will love one another enough to not let each other remain as we are. As we walk in the light of God, we will be light to one another. We will reveal sin. We will call for repentance. We will call for change. We will hold one another accountable. We will teach one another. We will spend time in the word together. We will rebuke one another. And that's not the scary part. Think about honesty for a second. Walking in the light means we're pursuing holiness and we're pursuing honesty. Walking in the light of God means that we will live with clarity and transparency before one another. We will be honest about who we are and where we are in our walk with God. And we will love one another, not just for the sake of seeing each other change, we will love one another just as we are. Oh, if you could just see how powerful this is. We can fake community so easily. 
We can throw a bunch of stuff on the calendar. But why would we do that? Why would we ever fake community? We don't have to do it. God is light. Because of the gospel, this place should be the safest place in the world for you to be honest about the best and the worst parts of you. Now, of course, not all settings or people, even in the church, are appropriate context for sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. So don't think I'm saying that. But a sign of a strong, gospel-shaped community are relationships within the church where nothing is hidden and all is plain. We're in the light, the light of God together. At Trace Crossing, here's what it means basically. You do not have to put on a show to belong here. You do not have to earn our love. I love how Ray Ortland talks about community. He says, we can either be known or we can be impressive, but we can't be both. We can be known or we can be impressive, but not both. You don't have to impress us. You don't have to impress me, and I hope that I do not have to impress you. But if we want real community to thrive here, we do have to be known. We have to know one another. And I know that that's scary, but it's also what the gospel creates. Now, how does that look practically at Trace Crossing? Well, first, we see community nurtured and strengthened through gathered worship through gathered worship in the past we have mainly talked about life groups exclusively when we've talked about community we talk about building community we talk about joining a life group if you want to build community you got to join a life group if you want to build community be in a life group you don't feel community are you in a life group and it was limited to life groups and i've said myself that life group is the place where community or fellowship is experienced at trace but that's not true. At least completely true. Life group is one strategy that we have to nurture community. One strategy. But what we do on Sundays, our times of gathered worship, that is definitely the most beautiful, if not the most formative way that we experience community with one another. Think about it. As we gather for worship, we walk in the light of God as one body, and it's never more clearly on display. We strive every single week to see God for who he is and to rejoice in him. We confess our sins together. We did it this morning. We confess our sins together. We confess our dependence on God through prayer, and we do it together. We seek God's illumination in his word. We, we give financially toward the advancement of the gospel and the care of one another. We support the work, and we do it together. And, oh, praise God, that we don't have 125 solo acts up here on Sunday morning, right? We sing together. We raise our voices together. Committing to attend our worship gatherings regularly is a simple but powerful way to nurture the community of our church so that we might reflect the glory of God. But at Trace, community is seen in life groups. In life groups. To know others and to be known by others is the goal of life group. That's why we meet. They're just small groups that meet all over the city. We're kicking them off in two weeks. In that group, the goal is for you to know each other. To walk in the light of God together. 
So as we resume life groups, I have a simple challenge for you. First of all, sign up. Just sign up. We'll send out forms. There'll be physical copies here. Sign up for a group. There'll be multiple groups. They're going to be much smaller this time because we believe in smaller groups. We can know each other better and faster. But get close enough to someone or a few someones so that you can honestly say that you know them and that they can honestly say that they know you. That's the goal for life groups. Another way we, we nurture community here is through service. We serve. We serve our community. We don't just do it as individuals. We do it together. We go on mission trips. And then finally, through support, we give. And we give as individuals, but we give together collectively. What I could never do with my own funds, we can do together as a body. And we are supporting one another because of the gospel which unites us. Two takeaways. Your personal walk with God is crucial to the strength and health of our church's community. If you wonder why community may sometimes feel weak, don't first think about, well, man, we should be having more fun events. First think about your own personal walk with God. Are you walking in the light? Because John says it here. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The opposite's also true. If we walk in the dark, we'll be alone. We'll be isolated, and we will not have fellowship with one another. Your personal walk with God is crucial to the health of our church's community. But one more takeaway, your personal walk with God is never private. Never private. This passage depends on that assumption. So maybe this is the first step you need to take today, simply to realize and live like you know that your walk in the light is a public walk. Maybe, maybe you need to simply invite another person from our church over for dinner. Maybe you need to sign up for a life group, and if, if COVID-19 is keeping you from gathering with us and would keep you from signing up for a life group, maybe you just need to pick up the phone, do it old school. Pick up the phone call another church member get to know them allow them into your life the point is don't isolate yourself from others if you want community to grow here draw near to one another as god has drawn near to us so this promise of community it happens as we pursue holiness and honesty together there's one more promise here though that really encourages us to pursue this the first one the second promise is cleansing cleansing How could we possibly be so open with anyone else? How could we be as open as I'm calling us to be open with each other, as honest as I'm calling us to be honest with each other? How could we ever possibly do that? And I know if you're still with me, that's what you're thinking, that you, you do want to walk with God, or you are walking with God, and, and you want the kind of fellowship that we're talking about here. You want this community. But a life of holiness and honesty in the midst of a group of sinners just like you just sounds idealistic and impossible. You're not sure you can do it, and you're not sure it could ever actually happen. And I hear you. I mean, how could we risk to live in such a way that others would see us for who we really are? How could we ever do that? How could you ever sin in an egregious way and feel like you can confess that sin 
to someone else sitting here. If your life was open and they could see it, if, if another person got a text message every single time you committed a sin, if it, was, if it was on that level, you were that open, you were that honest, how could we ever stand to do it? The gospel. The gospel. The gospel sets us free to be honest with God and to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with others. The gospel is the only way that we can walk in the light of God without being overwhelmed by the brightness. Why, why are we afraid of the kind of community we're talking about that's so open and honest and holy? Why don't we get close to others? What's the fear? We're afraid that we're going to be met with rejection once others see us for who we really are. We're afraid that when the mask comes off and we get real for, for a minute, when we confess how we've blown it, when we confess how we've failed to live according to God's desires, when we confess the darkness that's within us, we're afraid because we stand exposed in the light of God. But in the light of God, instead of receiving condemnation, we receive cleansing. Look what John does here. He says that if we walk in the light of God, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. It's the light of God that drives us deeper and deeper into the gospel together. We can walk in the light without fear, because as more sin is revealed, more grace is bestowed. Every time we confess sin in this community, we confess Christ right back to one another. John anticipated our hesitancy to such openness and vulnerability. He knows that we'll be tempted to want to stay in the darkness and pretend that we're okay. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We depart the light when we pretend that we have no darkness left in our hearts. But we don't have to pretend. We can be open. We can be honest. Because of the awesome promise we have in verse 9. Look in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walking in the light leads to cleansing because as our sins are revealed, we grow more dependent on Jesus. The effects of justification continue to play out and the power of sanctification keeps rolling in. Jesus' death and resurrection not only created a community of people who were just going to have to get used to each other, his death and resurrection made it possible for wretched sinners like us to live together in the light and experience harmony, love, peace, and joy, all the while knowing the very worst about each other. So at Trace Crossing, we pursue gospel-shaped community as our way of life. Now, our strategies may change this fall. How we get there may look different. But what is unchanging is that God is light. And he has invited us into the light without fear of condemnation and with hope for cleansing. So let's walk in this glorious light together and experience the community that we were created for. Let me pray for us.